Griner Talks about sustainability and transformation. A Griner podcast episode. This is Greiner Talks, our podcast about sustainability and transformation. My name is Alexander and my topic today is communications, media and the public debate around sustainability and climate change. And I'm happy to welcome a true expert on these topics. He's an author, a researcher, a freelance journalist from the UK, and he's writing for newspapers like The Guardian, Huffington Post and Financial Times. Hi and welcome, Oliver Balch. Hi, Alexander. Oliver, I have mentioned that you are from the UK, but actually that's not where you are at the moment. No, I'm talking to you from Portugal. Uh, I'm based here. I'm, I describe myself as a Brexit exile. So I've been here for about three years following my country's decision to go its own way. And as we are connected via video, I can also see that you are in the home office right now, but probably not because of Corona. Um, I'm in the home office because I work in a co-working space. So we are we are open, but it's a bit uh, noisy in there. So I've come home today so we can have a a chat without uh, without disturbance. Thanks for making that possible, Oliver. In your work as a journalist, you're writing for some of the most renowned newspapers in the world, as I have mentioned. You're dealing with international affairs, but lots of your writing also focuses on sustainability and especially on corporate social responsibility. And I'm wondering what fascinates you most about this area? Oh, good question. So I I got into this whole area when I was a student and... Uh, Like all students, I had my ideals and I was hoping to make a difference in my career. And I interned, of all places, at Shell, the oil company. But it was at a time when Greenpeace was on the up, the internet was coming in. I'm showing how old I am now. So this is the mid-90s. And Shell found itself in the center of a number of storms. One was a human rights-related issue in Nigeria, another an environmental issue in the North Sea. And I just, I just could see that the pendulum was swinging as far as our expectations of business. Uh, suddenly there was this possibility to hold large business to account. Uh, and that really excited me. But at the same time, actually stepping inside a large corporation, I could see the sheer power, size, the resources, the innovation, the re research capacity. And I got really excited by the potential, not just to sort of wag my finger at large business, but try and move this, enormous, powerful instrument to good. And it seemed to be the moment to do that. Uh, and that's only grown in the last 20, 25 years I've been involved in this field. I mean, take a Unilever, for example, can that huge consumer goods company that we all know, two billion people use their products every day. I mean, that's a much bigger reach than, than any government will ever have. Um, so I'm excited by the potential for change it. I figured that, you know, with globalization, power has shifted to the private sector. So we need that engine to work for the good of the system as the whole. And as a journalist, I felt I could play a role in that, in the push-pull that's needed. You have already mentioned it, making a difference. That's part of your motivation. And that also reminds me of an article that you wrote in 2019 for The Guardian, which was titled, Good Company, Capitalists Putting Purpose Ahead of Profit. 
I'm wondering, is that a development that you're observing? You have partly described it in your answer, or is it still wishful thinking? I think in a way it's both. I think um, it's wishful thinking in as much as it, the reality is still very different. There, there are companies that are are not making a positive difference, so there's still much to do. Uh, so we have to remain wishful. Uh, but at the same time, uh, there's an expectation that, that businesses have a social contract, that whether that's legal or philosophical or moral, that that businesses just can't operate in a vacuum. Um, they have rights, for sure, you know, to maximize the modes of production, to create value and profits and make their shareholders happy. But they have responsibilities as well. They have responsibilities to their employees, to communities, to consumers, to suppliers. And increasingly, those stakeholders, as we call them, are demanding that those responsibilities are met. Think the system over the last 50 years, and when I say the system, I mean how capitalism works, has become too skewed towards putting the shareholder first, profit maximization, shareholder primacy. And, and within that system, you see all the good stuff, all the gains, all the profits being privatized and going to the pockets of companies and all the losses, the losses to people's lives or to, to the environment, to the rivers, to the wildlife being socialized. So we pick up the bill. And I don't think people are ready to accept that anymore. And, and I think companies, at least those that are sensitive to those stakeholder groups, are aware that the dial has changed. And, and businesses know that they're not, they don't operate in a vacuum. Oliver, companies love to talk about sustainability these days. It seems like everybody is doing it. But I'm wondering how can you as a journalist actually assess whether a company is being transparent about their sustainability or unsustainability? It's a good question um, because, as you say, these words like green and responsible and sustainable and purpose-led and regenerative, they're all being used now and used with kind of different meanings, some with bad intent uh, and intentionally being co-opted by the private sector. I, I interviewed the CEO of uh, Patagonia, the US clothing apparel company, Ryan Gellert, last week. And, and he was just really frank. He said, there's companies out there that are, are using sustainable cotton to, to do the, uh, the inner trim of the bottom part of a shirt. And then they're saying that the shirt is, you know, made from sustainable cotton. And, and sort of technically, it's got some sustainable cotton in there, but it's not really. And he said, and excuse the language, he said, that's bullshit. And it's not bullshit by accident. It's intentional bullshit, was his point. And so we do have to be um, definitely on our toes as journalists. Personally, I look for standards like Fair Trade Foundation, or in the case of cotton, the Regenerative Cotton Alliance, Forest Stewardship Council. There are outfits out there that are kind of setting themselves up to do the due diligence for us. And if you've jumped through those hoops as a company, then that normally gives me a degree of uh, kind of assurance. If you've won awards, for example, if I hear people within the industry who aren't PR people saying, oh, this company's really doing really good stuff, then that's a good indicator as well. Few journalists are going to pour through the small numbers, though. And those that are, I suspect, are probably looking um, to find uh, a mistake rather than, you know, doing doing it like lawyers doing due diligence. They're looking to find a, a number that looks rather large and rather ugly. 
And do you have any other worst case examples when it comes to corporate social responsibility? Is there anything that you stumbled upon that got stuck in your mind? Um, so I think as, as you referenced earlier, it, it's, or perhaps you didn't, but if you didn't, then it's in my head. And, and, and that's the idea that we live in a, in a more transparent age right? It's quite difficult. Back in the day, you used to be able to, you know, bulldoze a village in the middle of Africa and, and probably hope, expect that no one would, would hear about it. That was the, the Shell example that I started with. They were looking to dump a, an oil platform in the North Sea. Uh, and, and they had all the, the, the legal and, uh, and health and safety checks to do it. They just sort of didn't twig that the mood had changed on the street. And when the mood changed on the street now, people get onto Twitter and, 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 and Facebook and social media and da-da-da. It's much, it's much easier to call out companies. So the outright lying is, is reduced, especially amongst consumer-facing companies um, who have their brands to worry about. But I think what I tend to find more is that people dress up social responsibility activities in fancy clothing. So you might find a company, a lot of you used to get this more, but it still happens where there's some philanthropic project that's happening on the side of the business that is the big story, but actually it has very little impact on what the company is doing in its day-to-day -day business. And so there's that, I'm not sure if it's intentional miscommunication, but it's a, it's a, it's a misunderstanding of, of either what corporate social responsibility is, which is the core of your business, it's how you make your stuff, sell it. It's not growing trees at a weekend with, with, with you know, on a team building exercise. And Oliver, communicating about sustainability in general is quite difficult because everybody loves the term, but people seem to have very different understandings of it. And I'd like to ask you, how can we actually have a conversation about it, about this word, when it has so many different meanings? Um, I, think, I think the trick is, is to make it tangible. So we're talking about actions that are happening in companies, on the ground. Uh, we're talking about tangible policies that are being made by government. And whether we call them sustainable or whether we call them regenerative or whatever term we might attach to them, I think the key thing is to focus on the actions and the outputs and the impacts and concentrate on those realities rather than on the language. As I said earlier, the language is being co-opted and business isn't guilt-free from that. Sometimes it's just enthusiastic and it, and it takes from 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 the NGO community or the development community about what it thinks uh, you know is best practice and, and often they're trying to to copy those models but quite often they're not and you see and, and that's where greenwashing comes in so what we always try and do is is you know ask the question of of um, rather what you're saying or how you're saying it what are you doing and how are you doing it People are quite cautious when big companies talk about sustainability. Actually, that's part of my job to, to talk about sustainability. It's also part of your job, Oliver, to talk about sustainability. But we are coming, obviously, from a very different angle. I'm wondering, what would you advise us as an international company? Should we talk even more about sustainability or should we just be silent? Oh no! Don't be silent. That's not. That's definitely not the way forward. Um, uh, no company is perfect, and journalists need to get better. I think of giving the the benefit of the doubt. That benefit will come from having built up a relationship with journalists, specific journalists, or the or the press in general. So there's that. Don't not do something because you know your whole house isn't in order. 
when you do do something, when you do talk, be frank, be honest, say what your challenges are as well as what your successes are. Companies are always saying, oh, we face challenges, but they don't actually get into the nitty gritty of what those are. And they don't actually show the goals that they've missed and the standards that are still falling short on. They'll, they'll focus on the on the positive narrative. And, and that positive narrative is your right to tell that. But the journalists will probably be more interested in the negative side of things. And so when they do ask those questions, don't shy away, don't step back, say, okay, yeah, we do have a problem and this is what we're doing to address it and this is the progress that we're making and this is where we hope to get into in the future. Um, uh, coming back to Patagonia again, because it's in my head and I was just writing an article for the Times about them uh, yesterday, on their on their environmental homepage, before they get into all the details about recycled material use or emissions reductions, they say everything we make has an impact on the planet. There's a frank admission right at the front that, I don't know, 50% of their clothing comes from petroleum-based materials. You know, it's a confession up front. So I'm ready to go, okay, we can have an honest, you know, back and forth debate about really what's happening. Let's not try and, you know, either side pretend that uh, the world is perfect. We want to make it better. And that requires, hopefully, you know, breakthroughs and huge acceleration as well as incremental change. I really like that Patagonia example. And I also believe that we here at Kreiner know or are very well aware that we are not perfect. And that's something I like about this company is that people are not afraid to actually say that and to put that out. And in that regard or on that point, I would like to invite everybody who's listening also to have a look at our sustainability report that was recently released, because in there you will exactly see lots of things are going in a good direction and there's definitely areas that need to be improved quite a lot. And I think transparency and being honest about these areas is one of the most important things a business can do. Yeah. And if I can just jump in, be, just to reiterate, be specific, Alexander, you know, it's becoming a cliche to say we're not perfect. It's becoming a cliche to say we're on a journey. Every company is on a journey. Boy, they're never, it never feels like they're ever going to arrive because that's all we hear. So sure, we're on a journey, but where to? When will I get there? What are my medium term targets? What are my long term targets? You know, make it tangible, put numbers on this sort of stuff. Um, and I think that you'll get more traction with with your consumers, with your clients and with the with with journalists. And Oliver, now that we have talked about sustainability for the past 15 minutes, there's one question that I just have to ask. Would you say that as a person you are actually living sustainably or would you even say that it is possible to live a sustainable life in our society today? Oh, now that is a really good question. That's the question you should ask every um, every journalist. It's a bit like asking your marriage counselor if they're divorced or not. You know, it's in a way it's a way out because you know, as as just as no company is perfect, no individual is perfect. I, I guess I guess what I try and do is is like any citizen. You know, reduce my footprint in whatever way I can. I don't own a car, for example. I travel on public transport. We recycle everything. We, um, you know, we, we try and avoid a, a, a fast fashion consumerist type type uh, lifestyle. But I think there are limitations to what any individual can do. And that's why what companies are doing is so important. So to come back to the example of Unilever with 2 billion people buying its products around the world, if they change how the shape of the bottle top on their shampoos 
from weighing, well, I don't know what the weight would be, but say they reduce it by 20%. The knock-on effect of that, the ripple effect is vast, much faster than any individual can do. And I think the conversation needs to shift more away from individual actions, important as they are, to systemic change. So how can the plastics industry as a whole, from the producers through to the consumers at the end, how can that shift onto a more sustainable footing? Not what can I do to make sure that my, you know, recycled pet Coca-Cola bottle finds its way back into the curbside recycling? Maybe there's a is a temptation to put the emphasis on the individual because it passes the buck to an extent. And also because systems change is really difficult to do because everyone has to be on board with it. You know, some have more power than other. It depends on the system. Governments have been pushed to the sidelines. We need them to step forward. But we need more champions within individual industries to pull everyone else up and say, you know, we need to shift this for all our goods, not, not this kind of dispersive individual efforts here, there and everywhere. And just to finish on that point, it's a really difficult story to tell. Systems change is an impossible media story, which is why we prefer on what consumers can do because they're our readers and makes them feel better. But the nitty gritty of this, the real hard work is shifting whole systems, not individual behaviours. I guess in the end, it's all about making a difference. And after this conversation, I very much believe that after all, we have the same common goal. Yeah, I, I don't see it's any different. I, don't, I think they're false as well. I think it's slightly uh, um, false divides between um, business and public sector and civil society. You know, I'm a civil society person at the weekend when I'm volunteering in a soup kitchen. I'm a business person when I step in writing an article for a commercial newspaper. And I'm a citizen when I go to vote. I'm you know, part of that democratic process. So we're changing hats all the time. And we need to do what we need to do wherever we find ourselves, whether it's the bottom of the rung in a business or the top of the rung, whether it's in a charity, and ideally working together to make those systems-wide changes that I think we really need. And we need more journalists to do that as well. We need, we need journalists to hold power, whether that's in business or elsewhere, to account. But we also need them to be a bit less cynical and to say, you know, we have a role in helping move forward this conversation. Some newspapers are doing that better than others, for sure. Oliver, we are slowly approaching the end of this podcast episode. I'd love to continue discussing with you. But before I let you go, I'd like to invite you to do a short word wrap with me, if that's fine for you. Word wrap, right? Okay, that's a new one, but let's go. So I will give you a couple of terms, a couple of words, and you can answer with whatever comes to your mind. can only be one word or can be an entire sentence. Up to you. So if you're ready, I'll just shoot the first word. That is news. News. Oh, <laughs> addictive, depressing, powerful, repetitive, uh, important. Portugal. Sunny. Sunnier than England. Freedom of the press. Vital to our democratic future and to the sustainability debate. Multinational corporations. Oh, big evil beasts, but powerful, powerful beasts that we need to get on side with, with the change agenda. The next one is quite difficult to pronounce for me. Please correct me if I don't do it properly. Welsh rarebit. Welsh rarebit. I don't think it actually comes from Wales. It's a it's a funny kind of 
food that's not very tasty. Uh, in Porto, they have a, um, a, a similar sort of uh, food they're very proud of called um, Francesinha, and, and that's almost as unhealthy, and I haven't, I haven't tried that either. <laughs> Fair enough. Next one, running. Ah, oh, the, the best way to both physical and mental health. Storytelling? Human. It's what we do. And last but not least, your message to the world. Oh, it's hackneyed and it's cliched, but be the change you want to see. I, I don't think there's a better way of saying it. You know, don't point the finger. Do what you can do to change. If that's systems level or individual level, great. But don't expect others to do it for you. You need to get changing. Thank you for that optimistic ending, Oliver. And thank you so much for taking your time today. No problem. It's a pleasure. Good luck. I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased you're, you're doing this and uh, we need more conversations around this, both within business and, and outside. So thank you very much, everybody, for listening. And please have a look at our sustainability report that I have mentioned during the conversation. Just go to sustainability.greiner.com and form your own opinion. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. Stay healthy and see you soon. Griner Talks, a Griner podcast. Subscribe now.